Today, we're talking with Debbie Radis Respis. Debbie is an executive coach, strategic business consultant, and mastermind facilitator. Debbie helps C-level executives unleash and maximize their hidden potential in all aspects of life. Hey, I'm Zachary Alexander, the host of the Subscription Maker Podcast. Welcome to today's conversation. Don't forget to subscribe and check out some of our past episodes. High-performing individuals like C-level executives know what worked. Unfortunately, a lot has changed post-uncertainty, and our go-to strengths may not deliver the desired results in today's marketplace. So we are talking with an expert about how we can unleash and maximize our invisible horizons. Debbie, welcome to the Subscription Maker Podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here with you, Zachary. How do you define invisible horizons? I get that question a lot. Um, I really think that people have potential that has not yet been found or unleashed. Um, I think that we all have gifts that we don't always tap into. Uh, We get into kind of the rat race of the world. Um, We're always, especially executives, are always putting out fires and working on the next best thing. And they sometimes fail to recognize that they have their own potential. And my gift is that I can see that potential in others. Um, I call it a hidden horizon um, from the standpoint that it's out there. It's just a matter of how do we how do we tap into it and how do we really get them, those executives to use the greatest gifts that they bring to the table? So would you give us a couple of tips on how we can unleash and maximize our hidden horizons? Um, obviously I'll start with start, you know, let's work with an executive coach. Um, and, and when you work with someone who really is trained in it, I, I all joking aside, um, they really know how to get very, very deep in the conversation. Um, and I got certified as an executive coach back in 2017, 18, before I left the uh, corporate world. And I really learned a lot of techniques that actually would have been really helpful in my career, but it's really asking questions. It is getting deep and authentic, being truthful. Uh, Sometimes that truth can hurt. Sometimes it's a little painful. But partnering with someone who really cares, who has that compassionate heart, um, is, is, I think, a really important aspect of unleashing it, finding it, unleashing it, and then taking steps. If they don't partner with someone, Zachary, I think that you can do it by really focusing in on what do I enjoy doing? When do I lose that time? You know, when you just get into something and it's like, oh my goodness, three and a half hours just went by. Wait, I have to go to the restroom or I need to eat or I need to, you know, do something. Um, Really acknowledging when those things happen and saying, okay, how do I tap into that? Because that's obviously an indicator that there's potential there that I may not be tapping into enough. So awareness is always a great place to start. So once you start that journey, how long... Uh, how long is it before we can expect to see some changes? So I think it depends on how deep the the request the des- deliverable is. Let's just call it a deliverable, whatever that deliverable is. Um, it, sometimes it can happen over a couple of weeks. I believe that it's just kind of like losing weight, right? If you start changing, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drink that sugary soda every day for the next thirty days. 
you may not necessarily notice a lot of change, but then all of a sudden you get on the scale and you're like, whoa, I'm actually down eight or 10 pounds or whatever that is. But it's the little step that actually got you the bigger return. So it's a matter of, I like to look at benchmark. Okay, where are we starting? Where do you want to go? And then let's talk about what are some milestones that you can identify that you would feel that you're successful on that journey. So, and, and again, it's a journey, right? That's what life is all about. So you told us you should, we should start with a uh, executive coach. Would you, ex <laughs> hey, you told us. I, I know. <laughs> so would you explain what an executive, what that means to you? What does mean, what does it mean to be a good executive coach? Um, I think that, so I'm going to kind of back up, if I may, Zachary, and, and kind of say that I actually meet my clients where they are. So I not only do executive coaching, but I also do consulting or mentoring or even as a, a tr trusted advisor. Each one of those has a different hat. Um, you can literally go to the International Coaching Federation and be able to really see how they define executive coaching or what coaching really is. I like to really meet my clients where they, where they are, and we determine as a partnership what it is that you need. There are times that they need a true executive coach where we are focusing on specifically their, what it is that, that is on top of mind. I'm asking tons of questions. We're peeling back layer after layer after layer, layer and then we're kind of co-creating an action plan of what that looks like going forward, but they really own the action. I'm not, I don't really have a role to play as an executive coach for taking action, as opposed to if I'm a consultant, part, usually part of that agreement is I'm actually doing some of the work to get the deliverable. So there are differences, there's nuances. Um, I kind of use that whole big toolbox and show up where my client needs them, when they need me, and provide that, that outlet. Because sometimes they're like, Deb, I literally just don't even know. Will you, you know, can you explain to me what you've gone through in the past? Well, that's a little maybe advising or uh, mentoring as opposed to true executive coaching. Okay, so assuming that your client takes the actions that you suggest, what kind of results can they expect? Uh, those literally range from financial improvements to team collaboration, to improved or increased executive presence, um, getting rid of the imposter syndrome and actually showing up with the gift that you're given. Okay. We just, we talked about that. Um, it, it could be provoking thought leadership conversations at the executive table learning to have a not not just a seat at the table but a voice at the table um sometimes it's getting out of our own way you know so and and that translates into returns on the investment over time because the client is showing up as a stronger leader servant focused they're able to bring more to the table for their for their own department or their own team they can show up differently for the CEO or the president, for their colleagues on the C-suite level. Um, there's so many different variations. Um, one great success story is I did have a business owner who had an 860% revenue increase 
um, based on our conversations and working with that group, mainly because he got out of the way. He learned that as a business owner, I've got to learn where my role is and what that means to be a real leader. And we helped develop the team and they ran with it and just the results were tremendous. So it really is dependent on what are the, what's the objective, what's that journey look like and what are they trying to get to? Now we all know that C-level and executives are business executives, they're all real busy. So how do you get their attention? Um, you know, <laughs> 30 years of business experience taught me that it gets really lonely at the top. And what I do try to do is have a, I, I, all of my, all of my folks come through either referrals or through LinkedIn. Um, that's kind of where I, I lay my, lay my business. And I really talk about the challenges that they have. Um, and it starts with being lonely. You know, who are you talking with? What kind of conversations are you having? Talking to a spouse is not the same as talking to a trusted advisor or talking to a, you know, the guys on the weekend on the boat, um, you know, about, I don't know, team development or, hey, this person's not doing that is a very different conversation than talking with someone who can meet you at the table and work through retention strategies, uh, disengagement or re-engagement. So... I, you know, it's the LinkedIn connection, meeting them where they're at, asking them. Sometimes it's just have, you know, on a, on a LinkedIn conversation to say, hey, what are the top two challenges that you're faced with right now? What are those things that are keeping you up at night to get them engaged to think, man, what are my top two? I've got 75,000 floating around in my head right now, but what are those top two that may actually be able to help move that needle? Let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about your company now, Invisible Horizon. Okay. Did you have to pivot during the great pause? Um, I was blessed with being able to tap into the experience that I got with 30, 30 years of uh, business, corporate America. I don't like pivot only because I didn't have to reinvent anything. Um, I've, I've got a plethora of knowledge and experience. I did shift away more from the executive coaching and actually into consulting. So that was a pretty big step. Uh, I started my business trying to do or wanting to, to really do executive coaching only. And I just had to shift into, you know what, what people need right now are is someone to kind of help in, to step in and help them through managing teams, managing now a remote workforce, because that's never happened before. Um, I've been in businesses where we've had tons of different locations and having a manager not on site technically is the same as managing remotely. So I was able to bring a lot of that into the, into the conversations and into the business to be able to shift the focus of what does this really mean? You're not really starting from scratch, all you're doing is realigning your thought process and realigning that mindset. That actually takes us into something I noticed. I noticed that your website doesn't have a login button and I didn't see anything about uh, a Facebook group. So how did you manage to, to get around not having, uh, how did you avoid the login button, uh, the trek to online? Yeah, um, I like 
personal conversations. <laughs> um, I'm not a Facebook fan, just personally. And I felt that many of my clients are more business oriented. Again, it's the C-suite, it's that executive level. And they're going to focus on LinkedIn. How do we connect on LinkedIn? So I really, I made a very strategic business decision that I would engage on LinkedIn. And then through one-on-one -on -one conversations, I've launched, I'm, I know we'll talk a little bit about mastermind groups and whatnot and launching that. But I really just decided to focus my efforts and my marketing on LinkedIn and then through the referrals because I did not want, I, it's too much for a small business to be able to have to navigate all of that social media. And I knew, I felt like I knew where my clients really were going to get the biggest opportunity to learn something from Invisible Horizons. So, so Debbie, let's talk about uh, mastermind groups. How do you define a mastermind group? I think it's bringing the right level of experts to the table to talk about similar challenges. And I say that in the manner of my groups are not cross-pollinated with a number of different silos, if you would. So I've got groups that are solely human resources executives. Their challenges, their um, efforts, their projects are completely different than if you were to talk with true business owners, entrepreneurs. There's a whole different plethora of challenges that there's a, there's, there may be some overlap, but when you get the right minds in that group and they're, they're comfortable, they feel safe, I vet every one of my uh, every one of the members, every one of the peers, because I want to ensure that I've got a group that they're not afraid to share. They're not afraid to laugh and cry and joke and challenge each other, bring their, their gifts to the table, learn what their gifts are. And I think it's a, the mastermind, my facilitation of masterminds, I don't have topics. I actually ask my peers to bring their own challenges. They need to lead the conversation in what is working, what's not working. And then I'll facilitate through conversation starters, through asking the questions, helping them develop their own coaching skills. So unlike other masterminds that will sometimes have very topic-specific categories of discussion, mine are, hey, you're HR executive. You're going to come with your own, own stories, your own challenges, and we're going to have organic conversations. And that's what those mastermind groups do. Would you consider that peer development? Oh, there's no doubt. That's that's an absolute uh, part of the process. I really call it an executive. It's called a comprehensive executive advisory program, and that's because there's different elements to it. Because everyone is, they every one of these people want to grow and develop both, uh, obviously professionally, but they're always walking away with something pro uh, personally as well. They're like, "Ooh, I can have a different conversation with my kids or with my spouse or whatever that case may be." Um, so it, it's definitely a development opportunity. So do you ever just allow them to just get out of their way and say, okay, you guys have at it? Um, that has not happened. That's an interesting concept. I do believe in organic conversation. So it's not like I have a list of questions and we have to get through every single question in that two hour conversation. It is, we'll start with 
a, um, a question, and then we'll let the conversation go organically. If I feel that the conversation is losing momentum or we've completely gotten off track, we'll ask some qualifying questions. Hey guys, I've noticed that we were talking about retention and now all of a sudden we're talking about, I don't know, strategic development. And are they related? Are we going to shift focus? What's important to the group today? So I think it's important to that. That's where the facilitation comes into play. But again, I'm not driving it. I'm not just automatically going, oh, okay, we're done with that question. We automatically have to go to that. It's bringing the awareness in of what is important to, to us and how is this going to grow organically as we continue in the conversation and what's important when you walk away. So, you know, I, when, when you talked about development, Zachary, what's really important is that we go around the table and everybody has not only one aha moment or some, some big takeaway that they're, that they're walking away with, but they actually have an action item. So it's, what are you going to do with what we've discussed today? And what, how do I help support that between these mastermind calls? You left me flummoxed at that point. <laughs> Is that I good mean, or bad? <laughs> that's great because I mean, that's so deep. I've talked to people who've had mastermind groups that were that were IP related. You know, it was all about let's get into let's dig into this book, you know, and you know, not to be pejorative, but it was more like Bible study. Mm. You know, the, the book was the most important point, not what the people were getting out of it, or the relationships they were forming, or the trust they were building between each other. Okay, I've got someone that if I've got a problem, I can call them on a Saturday morning. Right. And and they'll say, Yeah, that that's what I need. So that I find that just fantastic from a, a peer development from an executive development uh, situation. So now I'm going to ask you for your PSA, or your public uh, service. Uh, this is this is our PSA moment our, our public service announcement moment. So do you ever work with young people? Um, I think age is a factor of the mind. So I'm going to tell you that I think I'm young, even though I know 20 year olds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I, there's, there's a little bias in that. And I think, I think truly age is of the mind. Um, right. I, I know. So when I know that, I know that you're probably specifically talking about the younger generation, which might be the Gen Z's um, right. the millennials, those, um, and I do, I, I do. Um, the only, the, the biggest caveat to my groups is that there is a threshold in regards to, um, revenue for our business owners. And that's usually over a million. And that's mainly again, because my goal is to get the, the right level of mindset in the same room. If I have someone in there who is at, 600 million in revenue, and I've got someone in there that's literally just starting out, the conversations are, there's going to be a really Absolutely. big gap in the conversation, right? So uh, part of where I want to go with my mastermind groups, with my comprehensive executive advisory programs, is to have some entrepreneur group that may be in a lower revenue focus and be able to maybe bring in some mentors that can, can bring some, some added value so that they're not starting from scratch. They're not, you know, learning things from trial and error. You know, it's, it, that's kind of what mentorship is all about too. It's like, 
I want you to trip and fall sometimes, but you don't have to do it every single time. So I, I think that um, folks wanting to start a business, younger folks who don't maybe, you know, don't really fit the mold of corporate America or what that looks like, um, absolutely go for it. I mean, you know, there, there's no such thing as total and complete failure. A failure is just a, a bump in the road that you learn from, well, hopefully you learn from. And you go, okay, what, what worked, what didn't work, and how do I make this better? So that's- Yeah, the reason I bring this up is I'm, I'm a big fan of ethical entrepreneurship. And I think people learn that from their heroes, from people that they can see. You know, there's this thing that says a, a, a community declines when there are no lawyers, when this, the number of lawyers and doctors and professionals decline and within a, a given community. Yeah. So I think that there needs to be that, that, that we owe it to the, this next generation to provide them with role models like yourself, who can, who, who don't just spout the, you know, this is what you do and this, you know, who actually live it. And they can say, well, yeah, that I see that person and I've saw, and I met that person and I've dealt with them. So I guess my next question would be, um, would you want to see someone else in your family? Uh, undertake this entrepreneurial journey? Absolutely. Is you know, I think it's been, you know, I've got 30 years of business. I've got corporate America, 30 years of corporate America. So I've got um, a lot of experience in the world of work. Um, and, I, and I've touched areas of operations, supply chain, IT. My last stint was in human resources. I was a global vice president of HR for a large organization, multi- close to billion dollar organization with over 3,500 employees. Um, I, I kind of walked away from corporate America in 2018. I just, uh, I, we were going through a lot of layoffs and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to try something a little different. God's kind of calling me in a different, different area. Let's try this out. I had no idea that I could be an entrepreneur. I had, I had no idea what that meant. 30 years of business experience does not necessarily translate into being an entrepreneur, right? I mean, I can say I've got the business acumen and the business savvy, um, but really starting from scratch is scary. It's interesting. It's frustrating. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like I, you know, it's, it, what a great opportunity to, to find out more about who I am who I love to serve and how I love to serve those, those people. And that's what entrepreneurship really brought out in me. So the 30 years I was able to do that, but I can really do it now with my own business. I can really define my own values and mission and, and clients. And it's just, it's such a beautiful journey. Well, it just seemed to me when I made that, that leap, that there's, there's a big difference when you don't have that company name and people won't take your phone call, you know, <laughs> when you've got a big company, when you've got a fortune 500 company and you say, I represent, you know, and I'm with, you know, I'm yep. at, when you can do that, then people take your phone call. You know, they, 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 they fall all over themselves. <laughs> Two weeks after you leave, it's like crickets, you know, you can right. hear the tumbleweeds. It's like, okay, now I got to do it myself. You know, now, you know, it took whoever's business it was, it took them 20 years to get to, to get to where they were. 
you know, to get to that yeah. corporate, that, um, that, that, uh, kind of that name, name recognition, yeah. the, the brand recognition. Right. Yeah. Right. Now I got to build my own brand and where right. do I start, you know, and that's what yeah. I like. That's why I, I started this, uh, this podcast was because not only do we have to deal with the, we're starting from scratch or we're starting a brand. What does that mean? You know, we've got uh, subscriptions. Okay, that's great. But that's not the entire brand. You know, there's so much you can do once you started that subscription journey. You know, it's like, okay, now we got a foundation. Now I got something I can sell because, you know, people will buy my subscription company and they will buy my, uh, the people that are in it, you know, they will buy my, my, uh, my email list. But now what, what else, what do I have to do to serve my clients? And that's why I wanted to talk to people like you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that Zachary. And I think one of the greatest opportunities when I started this was what is my why? You know, when, when I, when I talk to other, when I talk to executives, that's a question I'll ask them. What is your why? Why are you doing what you're doing? What is the legacy that you want to leave? And that actually takes them off guard. They, they kind of go, I, I don't know. I haven't really thought of that. Like, you know, I want us to be profitable and I want us to have good teams and I want people to be happy. And, you know, it's, and it's like, okay, that's great. Let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit deeper. And that's why I say I've got this gift of being able to see potential. And I'm really good at being able to help peel back those layers, which is sometimes uncomfortable for, for clients because they're not used to being vulnerable. Um, but it's, you know, when I, when I get off the conversation with them, they're like, man, I, I've got some great homework. I'm going to think about who I want to be in December, 2022. And what does that translate to in three years from now? And what does that mean for my family? And how do I help my, my team step into their, their greatness? You know, what does that look like? And there's this renewed excitement that they haven't had for a while. Oh, that's, that's my why because humans have so much more to give. We are gifted and we don't always give it. That gets to one of my favorite questions. So how do you get C-level people to make small changes to get the ball rolling? I like to have fun. I like to make it be fun. I don't want it to be work, you know? So it's when you have the conversation and they kind of know a direction that they want to go They're like, you know, let's just hypothetically say it's somebody who wants to have better executive presence. They're usually quiet in meetings and they don't always speak up. They will talk about what would it look like, right? You know, how do you, what does this look like in a year from now? You know, what's different in a year from now versus today? Um, and they don't always know. They're like, I, I don't really know. Okay. Well, maybe that's your first step is let's just play with what that looks like for you. What is uncomfortable versus what is comfortable? Is there somebody that you like in a meeting that has the, that presence that you would like to, I don't want to, I don't want to say copy because you don't want to copy someone. You want to be your authentic self, but they may have a confidence that you're lacking. So it's literally just, let's have some fun with this. Let's play a little bit and, and, and look at what does that first step look like? What does that second step look like? You know, instead of put, putting your toe in the water, 
what would happen if you just jumped in the deep end and what does that feel like? And they're, oh, the water's cold. Okay, well, you gonna, is anyone gonna die if you take this first step? Is it, you know, so it's all perspective. It's bringing in those, talking about the assumptions that we have and the stories that we tell ourselves all the time. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how the conversations go, Zachary. It's, it's literally like, let's just, let's just think it through. Let's challenge our current thought process. And what is that one step that you're willing to take? I'll tell you, sometimes it's literally, some of my clients literally go from meeting to meeting, to meeting, to meeting day after day. And then they're working at night and they're not really taking healthy care of themselves. And my, one of my recommendations, um, co-creation is what if you were to push yourself away from your desk, stand up and just stretch and reach to the ceiling, right? And we do that. We'll do that on the call. And they're like, oh gosh, that felt good. And then all of a sudden their neck and their shoulders drop 16 inches. <laughs> you know how that goes when you're stressed out. And I'm like, can you try to do that three times today? Yeah, I can do that. And then they do follow-ups. Then, you know, I, I check in on a Friday and go, hey, how many times did you stretch this week? Man, I did it six times. Great. Let's do 10 times next week. And then, and you just keep layering on these little things that, that, that change mindset, that change habits, that change behaviors, um, that, that last long. That's, that's the intention. As we start to wrap up, is there anything that you wish more people would ask you? How do I get in your program? <laughs> um, you know what? I honestly don't have a good answer for that, Zachary, because I don't come to the, I don't come to conversations with a full outline. I have a couple of questions that will prompt some thinking. So those conversations are very organic and it's rare that I think I've ever really walked away with someone going and I wish I would have asked you that, or they reach out to me afterwards and go, hey, I didn't ask this. I think that, again, because I see that potential, I'm comfortable having conversations. I, I, I don't want to leave this open-ended, but it's, you know, let's just have a conversation and see where that goes. And if I can help serve you in a certain way, whether that be through my programs or because of the network that I've built, it's a win-win for everybody because I love to serve people and that's what it comes down to. So do you have anything coming down the pipe that you feel comfortable talking with us about? I do. I have an eight week, 30 minute uh, webinar program that I'll be starting in the middle of June. Um, and it's going to be for executives. The, the title of the webinar is seven tips to win war for talent. So we're going to talk about all those hard things on why people are not getting hired. And that that'll go for business owners who might be needing to hire that first employee to those, those CEOs or HR executives who are like, man, we just can't keep people or we're not hiring the right talent. So I've got seven tips. Uh, the first seven weeks are going to be one tip each, and then we'll do an eighth uh, conversation on what is your real good takeaway. Every week, you're going to have a takeaway, something new and different. And um, so I'll be, I'll be starting to launch that and get that communication out to the forces uh, that, that be on LinkedIn, of course, on LinkedIn um, over the next week or so. 
So do you have a squeeze page up yet? I don't. I don't. I literally just completed this today. I've got all of my notes done. Now I'll be writing my the content for the, the marketing. That's no problem. That just means that they can come, they can check back to find out when. That's right. Because That's I'm gonna, right. I'm going to, I'm going to put a link in there telling them where it is and how they can, how they can register. Awesome. Thank you so much. I, I do appreciate that, Zachary. So what is the best way to follow you on social media? I think I know the answer. <laughs> yep. LinkedIn, LinkedIn, go to, and I know that you'll post, uh, what my LinkedIn is. Um, so that, that is the absolute best way. And ironically, I'm actually rebranding. So although you can go to my website, which is invisiblehorizonscoaching.com, I am rebranding. So what's on there right now is not completely updated. We are literally in the throes of rewriting web com content and what I do and how I do it and what the problems are, you know, all the challenges that, that clients face. So I'm in this weird transition phase of, you're going to be able to see some awesome new stuff, but it's not quite there yet. So LinkedIn is, is just a great place to go. I've got most of my current stuff up there. I do a weekly newsletter on Mondays. Um, so that's just a great place to, to connect with me. Debbie, thank you for joining us on the Subscription Maker Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate your time. This is your host, Zachary Alexander. Please join us next time as we talk about what it takes to run a small subscription business.